Accessing library computer data. Level 9 authorization required. Command codes verified. Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who also happen to have children on the autism spectrum. We talk about the new Star Trek Discovery TV series, as well as any autism issues we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is my co-host, Vicki. Hi, I'm Vicki. We are Moms Going Boldly. The following episode was recorded in 2019, but due to circumstances beyond our control, was never published. Some of the items we may have been speculating about or things that we hoped might happen in the future may have already, at this point, been proven or disproven or have actually come to fruition. Welcome back to Moms Going Boldly. Today we are discussing both parts one and two of the Discovery, Star Trek Discovery, season two series finale, Such Sweet Sorrow. So, Vicki, what did you think of this two-part finale? I really enjoyed both parts, although I did feel they tried to cram a lot of things in just to fit canon that really weren't necessary. Yeah, I agree. But I really can't complain about anything, really. I agree. I I enjoyed it as well. And now, you you know, you and I both talked about how we were kind of inclined to start at the end, sort of about the different mm-hmm. things that they said. So you had had said mentioned to me earlier about something that Spock did at the end. Why don't you go ahead and continue to talk about that? Well, I know everybody says, oh, well, Spock never mentioned Burnham, and maybe they had to come up with a reason why he never mentioned Burnham. But in the original series, we only saw the episode they were in. We don't know what he talked about. You know what I mean? Yes. He never talked about his parents until they showed up. Right. So I don't think it was really necessary to erase them from existence. I think they got a little carried away trying to stuff everything into canon. Yeah, I I, I kind of felt that way too, though I certainly appreciated the attention to detail. Right, the attempt, yeah. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So so let's start at the beginning of our two-parter here. When we left the last episode... They had just given the evacuation command. Uh, Captain Pike had ordered Discovery to evacuate. And so everybody was running through the ship, gathering all their stuff so they could leave. And we start the the first half of the finale. We're on Vulcan and Sarek is meditating. And then all of a sudden he has a vision of Michael, I guess, and says her name. And then we go back to the Discovery and they're packing, and they're all getting ready to leave the ship. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the very cool disembarking corridors that generated between the two ships. I thought that was really neat. Yeah. yeah. I guess they were made of force fields? I think so, yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. I don't know that I would walk down <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, think, uh, you'd think, I would move very quickly. <laughs> because you think yeah. one power loss and this whole corridor vanishes. Right. <laughs> but I thought right. it was very cool and very creative. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the sort of the techie <laughs> part of that. So then they get back onto the Enterprise, which was very, it was also really fun to be on the Enterprise and see how, 
I, I had to kind of laugh. It's almost like, you know, when we're watching Doctor Who and when the doctor regenerates and becomes a new person, then the TARDIS regenerates and becomes a new control room. Well, it's sort of like the Enterprise has, you know, each captain has its own sort of like TARDIS-like iteration of the Enterprise bridge. Yeah. So Captain Pike's iteration is really kind of cool. I thought it was good looking. Though apparently Giorgio didn't like it because she went, ooh, orange. <laughs> orange, yeah. <laughs> And I thought it might have kept true to the original, maybe a little brighter. Yeah. A little bigger, obviously. Yeah. So we got on the bridge. It was really cool. And so they tried to destroy the Discovery with photon torpedoes, and it fails. And they realize that it's because the data that they got from the sphere is somehow conscious and is stopping them from destroying the ship. And at the same time... Burnham has some kind of vision of everyone on Discovery being attacked and killed by Leland. Right, because she held the time crystal. Because she held the time crystal. What's really interesting to me is how the vision is exactly the same when Jet holds the time crystal. Which you would think she would get a different vision. I was kind of confused about that. But I, yeah, I, you would think so. I, I thought the visions were kind of personal. And that was more That's what I thought. informational. Yeah. But anyway, so they realize they have to go back to the Enterprise and they come up with this wacky plan to take the ship to the future by rebuilding the Red Angel suit for Michael Burnham. She's going to open up a black hole and essentially carry the ship with her in its wake. And then as she's volunteering to do this and they're realizing that she's volunteering to go, what is it, 900 years in the future? Okay, here's my question. Now, she keeps saying she's going to end up at the point where her mother Yes, ends up, that's, that's what I okay. understood, too. Okay, because I have some time travel questions for you later. Okay, <laughs> I may or may not have answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're the resident time traveler. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh, and then they have to figure out how they're going to power the suit. So they find one of the red flashes that's above the planet where Tilly's friend from the short lives, you know, the queen. I guess her her name is Poe. And so they go there and they bring Poe on board and she uses her amazing genius to help them find a way to power the suit. And I actually really enjoyed having her on the ship. There's some wonderful moments of great dialogue, great snark with Poe and Jet and, and, um, oh, what's the security officer's name? Non? I never remember. Her I think name. her name is Non. Yes, maybe. Anyway, so just yeah. some great, great dialogue there. I really enjoyed it. So there's a lot of scenes of them putting this, you know, making the new Red Angel suit and putting it together. And then they also have these great these scenes where Burnham is planning to go by herself, and then the whole crew volunteers to go with her. And at that moment, I said to my family, those are all the people who died in her vision. <laughs> Every single one of them, these are all the people who died. So it's like they're purposely setting themselves up for the vision that Burnham had. And stop me if I'm missing stuff, because there was so much going on here that I might have, you know, no. I might step over things. 
But when they realize that they're going to do this, Captain Pike puts Saru back in command and he goes back over to the Enterprise. And the goal is here for to, the Enterprise is going to fight off all the Section 31 ships that are controlled by the AI while Discovery completes the Red Angel suit and completes the jump into the wormhole, into the black hole. Did I miss anything? Well, I'm a little confused since I've watched them. What is in what episode? So yeah, so we're just gonna we're just gonna I'll bring it up later. Yeah, we're gonna just run this as if it's one episode because you know as soon as yeah. this goes into streaming, it's gonna be just one big episode. Right. Yeah. Right. So interestingly, the people who choose to go 900 years into the future and the people who don't go into 900 years in the future are some very interesting choices. I thought as far as like the characters, we've got the entire bridge crew of Discovery who's going. Giorgio is going, but not Ash Tyler. He stays back. Yeah, which right. I thought was an interesting choice. Spock. Uh, I know. I was disappointed. Yeah, me too. Me too. I understand his reason, because if all this happens, even after she leaves, then she's gone for nothing. True. But I, I think from the standpoint of what the writers chose to do, because we're going to leap ahead again. At this point, as we're recording this, it's been confirmed that Discovery will have a season three. I believe I read the writers saying that the season three is going to take place 900 years in the future. So we no longer have Star Trek Discovery 10 years before Enterprise. Exactly. Now it's its own show, like Voyager almost. Yes. And even more so, it doesn't have to adhere to canon. It's like what they did in the movies by setting I, the, the Star Trek Starship Enterprise on a separate timeline. They now have all the flexibility in the world to be as creative as they want, and they don't, they're not constrained I, by canon. But wouldn't it have been great for Ash Tyler to have been there, too? Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm hoping, you know, there's all this talk about a Captain Pike show. Oh, gosh. Wasn't that exciting? When I heard that, I was like, yes, I would love to watch Captain Pike. Oh, I would definitely. I would rather see that than a Section 31. Section the thing is, leaving so many good characters behind that I was kind of hoping that if there is a Captain Pike show, that Ash Tyler, Laurel, and everybody they left behind would be included in that show. Yeah. Now, now my memory is, is that Georgia went to the future, right? Yes. And so, how were they going to? So, how are they going to do a, a Section Thirty-One series with Georgia nine hundred years in the future? Does she go back? Do they figure out a way to go back? Because if they do. And that's how they do that. Then maybe there is an opportunity for Ash Tyler to join them 900 years in the future. Maybe. 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 Or she starts her own Section 31, 900 years. <laughs> <laughs> Section 31, 900. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got these two starships in place. We've got, you know, the one starship is frantically getting ready to defend against the Section 31 ships. The other starship is frantically getting ready to do its t leap to the future without Leland finding out what's going on. The AI Leland. And then we have these, these series of goodbye messages to all the families of the crew that have volunteered to go 900, 900 years in the future. And, you know, some of the, and again, we've talked about this before. I don't read much. You know, I might see a few things, but I don't read much. But I do recall somebody saying that this was not a good use of time. And I would respectfully disagree. I actually really appreciated that. Normally, I would agree that it isn't a good use of time because I can't stand when they, you know, they start the show with a 10 minute personal log entry from Burnham. Yeah. But I loved this. I did I too. Did. 
I, I thought it was perfect. We've spent so much time in this series focused on Michael Burnham and Captain Lorca and Ash Tyler and Laurel and Captain Pike and not very much time spending a lot of time with the, the other characters. And the true value of an ensemble show like this is to really understand each of the characters in the ensemble and see how they interact and interconnect. And so you can see they're laying the foundation for that. And and I really enjoyed it. Even the goodbye oh, scene. Oh, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Even the goodbye scenes with Spock and uh, Sarek and Amanda, I thought were good. Yeah. And then, oh, and then another thing, it, Paul decides to stay on Discovery. So Paul and Stamets, that relationship looks like it's going to rekindle. Hugh. Yeah, Hugh. Right. I'm sorry. Did I say Paul? Okay. Paul? Yeah, Hugh. Whew. Yeah, because at the beginning, they were both leaving. Yeah. Uh, Hugh was going to the Enterprise, correct? Yeah. He, Paul, Paul was going to, to go... live on a space station or something. Exactly. So he stays. Came back. Yeah, yeah. he came back. So. Yeah. That was that was kind of nice to see that that relationship looked like it was going to recover a bit. So then there's a pretty a pretty good battle, and I, I I like space battles. I'm a big fan of space battles, really good space battles. And so I thought it was a pretty good space battle. What did you think of it? Actually, my favorite battle was, although I thought it went on a little too long for me, was Jero and what is, what is her name again? Giorgio. No, I'm sorry. Giorgio and, and Non. Non. Yes. Yes. They work together very well. Oh my goodness, I love that. So they're fighting Leland, right? And so he he somehow beams on the the ship and she says, "Welcome back. We were just talking about you. Everyone hates you." We hate you. What is that? It was so awesome. <laughs> It's just the two of them, you know, the back and forth, I, right? I had that written down. <laughs> it was awesome. So, yeah, they and they go and they get into a big fight with him. And But it's all, and I really appreciate, this is one of the things I love in a, in a story, when you bring out the best of characters and they're smart and they they analyze what they've learned about their enemy and use that information to help defeat them. And that's exactly what Giorgio and Non did. They made it look like they were getting beaten, but they were slowly but surely moving him to where they needed him to be. And they ended up imprisoning him in the spore chamber and killing him. And it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. But it also means they took him with him. He's right. on Discovery. They go, when they, when they finally succeed in going 900 years in the future, they took the pieces of that AI with them. So there are the seeds. But I guess that was the point. But there are the seeds for a problem because, if somehow um, it rejuvenates. Yeah, because I was going to ask you what happens to the spore drive because all his whatever nanoids or whatever came apart in there. Well, I think it's a good question what happens to the spore drive, but you still have Paul. You still have Stam yes. Stamets who has the, you know, the modified DNA. That's you true. still have the drive. I think they still have the, the spores. But I just was thinking, by trapping him in the spore drive chamber, even though he's ostensibly destroyed, you know, the AI, it's a machine, it's not actually a person, it could somehow come back to life in the future. So I, uh, you know, when they went to the 900, they took him with him, which could be a problem. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what they intended. <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, taking Discovery into 900 years in the future, because Discovery was already taken over by the uh what do you call it oh the sphere the sphere yeah the sphere what data the sphere data 
Well, here's the other thing that's really interesting. If you think about it, the, remember the episode where um, Pike and Tyler went out in a in a shuttlecraft and they sent a probe out, and then the probe went into the time vortex and then came back like massively upgraded from five nine hundred years in the future. How did that happen? I mean, did we ever get an answer as to how that probe got upgraded? I don't think we did. I don't think we did either. But this is where um. This is where all my time travel questions come. Okay, well, well, what if by going 900 years in the future, taking this AI with them, they somehow impacted the future so that when that time rift opened and that probe was sent in, it was modified by the AI in the future and sent back? I, I don't know. I think there's some there's still unanswered questions, clearly. Well, plenty. Yeah. So yeah. one interesting moment is after they fix the Red Angel suit, and she goes out and she's trying to program to get them to the 900 years in the future. It won't work. And the reason it won't work, she realizes, is because she was the one that did all the red flares to help get them to where they are now. And so she has to go back in time and do all those red flares before the suit will let her go forward. I guess it has some kind of protection against paradox. That again? I think it has, I guess the suit has some kind of protection against paradox, or maybe the time crystal does. Because if she went to the future irrevocably without having gone back to the past to do those things, that would be a paradox. Again, you're the time travel expert. <laughs> I'm the person to whom Adventures Endgame all makes sense. Look- <laughs> the way I'm, I was looking at it was, arguably, she was the one who sent all the red signals right. to get them to all the points they had to be yep. to get the help they needed for yes. this point. Yes. So then why, when they're at this point, does she have to do it again? If she's already done it. Well, because she hadn't already actually done it. What she did got them to this point. She sent them to Saru's home planet. Yes. Which made the people become pilots, blah, 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 and coming home. She sent them to get the time crystal. She sent them to all these places. Yes. To get them in position for this. So then why, if she's already done that from some time... In the future. In the future... Not the future where she is now, but the future. I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to explain this. So, so imagine it. If she's already done this. Yeah. To get them to where they are now. Yeah. Why does she have to go and do it again? Well, okay. And Am I making sense? Yes, you totally make sense. Because this is what is very confusing okay. about, you know, the ideas of time travel. So did you see Avengers Endgame? No. Okay. You should, because it's really good. <laughs> But only if you've seen Infinity Wars. Otherwise, it no, won't make I, any sense. No, I saw the first one. I dragged my son to it. And I don't think I'll get him to go to another one. I understand, understand. Okay, so if you imagine time like running on a timeline, right? And it's just moving forward. And you have all these things that happened. The red flares happened along the timeline. And now they're at a place in the timeline where the red flares are in their past but she hasn't actually taken the actions to do them yet. If she doesn't do them then, then the timeline actually branches off into a different timeline. And it's because, the, because she hasn't done those things. So she has to go back in time and do the red flares, even though they've already experienced them. She's still got to take the actions that make them happen or else the whole timeline doesn't proceed so she goes back it's a a little bit like a loop she goes back and then goes back to where she is so that then she can move forward without damaging the timeline that they're on that they want to stay on does that make sense yes so my second time travel question which may be the same answer and i'm going to use eureka because we just 
recorded an episode okay. where they went back in time okay. because they did something in the past when they came back to the present, it was different. Yes. So my question is, if they're taking discovery 900 years ahead of time yes. to avoid everything that's happened, and to avoid that future where everything is gone. Right. Wouldn't they be moving into a future where everything isn't gone because they've changed everything? Yes. Or they changed the things that cause everything to be gone? So the, Does the, that make sense? Yes, it does. It totally makes sense. So wh- I'm going to rephrase what I okay. think you're going to ask and tell me if I've got this wrong. What, what you're saying is, is by they've got these visions from the red angel of a future where the AI takes over and all sentient life is destroyed. And so by moving Discovery into the future, they are essentially going down a different timeline rather than the timeline where the AI destroys everything. I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I think it's helpful. And, and, you know, this is something when I think about timeline, I tend to think of it in terms of decision trees, like from school, from math, mathematics classes, when you're trying to figure out probabilities and you're looking, you, you make these little decision trees. So if you look at this moment where Spock is sitting in the shuttlecraft and Burnham is out in her red angel suit and she's trying to program stuff in, that moment right there on that little chunk of asteroid or wherever they are is this huge decision point where a whole bunch of different branches are spreading out both in front of them and behind them on the timeline if you're visualing that. Because if she doesn't go back in time, then the timeline that they've experienced, that branch will change altogether. And okay. if she, d- if they don't go for it in time, then they won't avoid the branch where all sentient life is destroyed. Okay, actually- and that makes sense. So that moment right there is really crucial. And that makes sense to me. But when they go through the wormhole yes. into 900 years, taking the um, fear data with them, yes. which will eliminate everything that's happened, yeah. Won't well, they be going into a place where there is life? Yes, absolutely they because will. Because they corrected the problem. Yes. Okay. So okay. You, can, you can imagine that this show set 900 years in the future is going to have all kinds of interesting stuff. That's what I was thinking, but she kept saying we're going to, well, you know, there's no technology there where we're going. Well, but they were planning that's to go. True. Well, no, what they were doing was they were planning to go to that new Eden planet that they, they experienced with the first red flash early in the season, like the second... Okay. So they were going to go there. And and I, I'm not entirely sure why they were going to go there, because I, but I think they were planning to go there because they could settle down there and not impact anything in that universe. Okay. But I think so, that's a really good question, because how okay. do they know they can't impact anything in the universe 900 years in the future on that planet? I was confused about that, too, and that's why I asked you at the beginning. They're going to the spot where her mother ended up, where there was nothing. But I thought they were just going to the time where her mother was, not the actual location where her mother mother was. I wasn't expecting they were actually going to find her mother. Well, I don't think so either. Okay. But she kept saying, we're going to go back to the point where the, the suit kept pulling my mother. Yes. But then they were going so, to settle and then, down. Yeah, I was totally confused about the new Eden, too. Yeah. Because first I thought, oh, well, maybe they're going there. Something. And I think the only reason they went back to clear a path or something, she said. Because there was an asteroid thing going on there, remember? Yeah. I don't know. I was a little confused about all of that, but and, I guess we'll just see where they end up. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I, I don't recall why they picked New Eden either, other than I just thought it was because they needed to go someplace where they would could lay low. But I think your question is a really good one. 
900 years in the future, you have no idea whether the people of New Eden have become technologically advanced, but maybe it's because they knew where, where humans were. And they didn't want to go back to Earth because they didn't want to mess up the history. I don't know. I always imagined they would be in that desolate spot where her mother was. These are good questions. Very good questions. And then again, when they kept bringing up New Eden, then I got confused. Yeah. But she said to clear a path. She had to go to New Eden to clear a path. So then I was thinking about the path they cleared with the asteroid yeah i don't know it's very confused as you can tell yeah we're still good well and i also liked it that you know as we got towards the end there as you just alluded to all of their sort of allies sort of showed up to help in the battle against the ai section 31 ships we had the people from saru's planet who now that they didn't have to ritualistically sacrifice themselves they knew how to fight and they were using their newfound aggression to blow up ships <laughs> And we had the Queen of Zahia flying around helping them. And that was kind of fun. And, and then there was the scene where she had to leave Spock. Spock was not able to join her. And Spock was planning to join her 900 years in the future. But then his ship, his shuttle was damaged and he wasn't going to be able to make it. So he had to stay behind. Which then, of course, you know, when we knew that was coming because he, he has to stay in this timeline because of canon. So, I, you know, I knew that was coming. And they were successful. She opens up. The black hole, they take Discovery in, and poof, it's gone, and it's all over. And then we have this really kind of nice little, as you called it, you know, the tidy wrapping up epilogue section. Before we get to that, when Tyler wanted to go to the planet with the time crystal, and I can't think of where his son is. Yeah, it's Boreth. Lorel forbade him from going because nobody can see him. He's right. supposed to be dead. Yes. So how is he on a ship with a bunch of other queens? I don't understand that either. I don't either. <laughs> Did she tell them the truth? Did I don't know. I was thinking the same thing. So maybe these are her specially, you know, private people who know the truth. I don't know. But there he was. Yeah. Maybe the enemies that she had to hide him from were gone. I don't know. I, I was thinking yeah, the same thing. Yeah, because that was not explained. There's a lot of things not explained, but yeah. it was explained enough, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Tyler made the new commander of Section 31, and Spock was interrogated. Everyone's interrogated, you know, Pike, everyone, and um, number one, and they all say that Discovery was destroyed. They don't explain that Discovery was sent to the future. So that, and then Spock tells his parents, let's not, we just can't talk about her again. She doesn't exist for us anymore because we can't risk anyone knowing what happened. And that was the end of it. Did I miss anything important? We lost the Admiral. We lost, oh yes, the Admiral. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So after this incredibly conflicted season with the Admiral, where she had these glorious moments and these ridiculously stupid moments, she saves the ship by... She somehow, she have, you have to close the bulkhead from the inside where the torpedo was. So she had to stay with the torpedo so she could close the bulkhead door so the rest of the ship wouldn't be lost. So you know, who, who designed the ship? <laughs> yeah. The only way to close the blast door is from the inside. Yeah, that doesn't seem very smart, does like, it? <laughs> I can't think of any good reason for that. And like, couldn't they like, I don't know, prop it up so she could slide under before as the door closed and then remove the prop right. and go? I mean. Yeah, like when I'm running out under my garage door. And yeah. Button inside and <laughs> yeah. But I can't think of one single good reason why somebody would say, well, they have the control to close the blast door from the inside. I can't think of one single reason. From the inside, right next to the door, that would be the escape. 
for the person who might be trapped in there? I mean, yeah, I think that's a great question. Though, honestly, I was just like, just be done with it. Just make her go away and be done with it. Great actress. I thought the actress was fantastic. The character was just so oddly written. They decided just to sacrifice herself and off she goes. Yep. But I, I agree with you. Overall, I enjoyed this. This was fun entertainment. But I really, truly hope, and I don't know if it's a, you know, Pike dream. See what I did there? <laughs> I do, uh, I do. Pike dream. <laughs> but I really do hope that they see themselves clear to doing that because we lost a lot of good characters. Yeah. With the ship going into the future. Yeah. Well, I suspect, think about it, 900 years in the future, the ability to travel back in time may exist. I mean, it exists yeah. in Voyager. There is time travel right. in the future. It ex- existed in Enterprise. Right. So theoretically, we could be interacting with the characters and the ideas that were showcased in those two shows with regard to the future. Remember those episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The Enterprise had its temporal Cold War thing. Yes. Yeah. That went on interminably. And um, Voyager had a couple of episodes that were related to time travel I always love the 20th century ones because it was so clearly when they're trying to save money on props and clothing and special effects. And then there was a really great episode with Seven of Nine trying to correct a temporal error where they were back in space dock and then they were being attacked by the Kazons. That's a good one. I like that one a lot. So on a scale of one to ten, how was such sweet sorrow for you? Even though I had a few problems with it and they weren't really anything major i'd still give it a nine i'll even go 9.8 all right i give it a firm eight maybe eight and a half very firm so it was a strong conclusion to the season what did you think of season two overall it was tough at the beginning for me anyway but as we got closer to the you know when we figured out what was going on when they finally told us what was going on and how they were going to fix it or try to fix it i really did enjoy it I mean, I enjoyed the whole season, but the end of the season made it 100 times better. Yeah, I agree. I thought this season was quite good. I would encourage the writers to ease up on the soap opera stuff and focus more on the smart science fiction stuff. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter, at Ross Bugden. Licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. Transfer complete.